Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Our common ground, alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio, speaking truth to ours and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know? Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens are coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. And thank you indeed for listening with us tonight at Our Common Ground, a very important topic tonight that we're going to be covering black independent media preserving the black voice, informing, teaching, educating, entertaining, We're revving the spirits of black people. That is what media does, and we are losing it at an enormous rate of uh, loss. And I think that tonight is a good time for us to gather together as we pass through so many new but same doors in America the political doors, the efforts to dilute our history, our culture, and our spirit. And that's why we're at Our Common Ground, and I'm so glad that you could join us. You need to write it down. Our number is 347-838-9852. And tonight we have with us our dear sister warrior, once again, Afia Nwangaza. She's the founder and executive director of the African American Institute for Policy Studies and Planning. 
She's a founding member and South Carolina coordinator for the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement for Self-Determination. She's the founder, coordinator of the WMXPLP, Low Power Community-Based Radio, and a board member of Pacifica National Foundation, the nation's oldest progressive radio network. And we're going to be talking with her about why we should be concerned and what we can do about it. Thank you for joining us, and if you'd like to join our listeners in our chat room, you can come to blogtalkradio.com backslash, that's to your right, OCG, and join in as our chatters discuss our broadcast. We want to uh, send out a special um, uh, concern for our brothers and sisters and listeners in Maryland, especially that have been so devastated by last week's storm and hope that you are well, that you are now secure and safe, and to everyone that is suffering through this, can you say, global warming heat uh, all across our nation, including up here in the northern section of the plantation in New England. Uh, It is just hot, and we advise you, especially those of you who have respiratory and other health uh, issues and illnesses, to be very, very careful to make sure that you are hydrating yourself, that you are not doing too much strenuous exercise on the outside and hope that you have power, electricity, and the money to pay the electric bill for the air conditioning. So be careful out there and think of your neighbors. Call people, especially the seniors in our community, who you might be concerned about in this heat wave. And my understanding from weather advisories is that it is not going to break anytime soon. And for parents and grandparents who are taking your children on outings, make sure they wear a hat. Black children do get sunburn. Black children and black people do get skin cancer from exposure to UV waves. So if you're out there, make sure you're using sunblock, not sunscreen, sunblock, and keeping yourself healthy. And have a good time. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. And at 347-383-9852, and with our guest, Afia Nwangaza, we're going to be talking about preserving the black voice. She'll be with us right after this. Thank you for being with us. historically been a significant source of ideas and information in the black community. And that has dramatically changed where the uh, owners and managers of black radio now, whether they be black or white, have a different uh, agenda, it seems, and are no longer committed to providing news, music, information, ideas that that would resonate with their audience, but instead the stations are being programmed to be attractive to media buyers, not to the audience. And so it has created a, a very different kind of reality with, uh, with broadcasting. How do you see things? 
the FCC is gone. Almost non-existent in terms of its effectiveness. See, there was never really a a commit. The corporate interest was always there. There was never really a genuine interest in serving the community. There was a political climate in the street that put pressure on media, and then there was the FCC that had some requirements and some demands. And you look at the early organizations like Emma Boa's organization that would uh, bring uh, mandates to media. What Emma Bowen did, though, was simply bring the FCC mandate. She would come asking to see your community ascertainment form. She would come and point out that you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this, are you doing it? The FCC is a kind of collusion where the broadcasters, whether they be print or electronic, they wind up saying among themselves, none of us will do anything. And I had a conversation like that. Reverend Buster Soares and I went to a major uh, television network. It wasn't this one. Major television network where the guy <laughs> actually said to us, I didn't do anything when the heat was on. There's no heat on now. What makes you think I'm going to do anything now? But it was the heat that was on that created the uh, what it was that people applauded about the media. It was never the media that had a sense of their own of volition, or some sense of commitment. But there was pressure coming from the street. The pressure is not there. When I said it used to be an all of those things that the FCC uh, required broadcasters to do no longer exist, so they don't do it. It really can't be placed at, at one place. Oh, it's a full-court press. There's a number of things that are going on, but if we were to try to identify where we might respond from, yeah. you know, what would make a difference, I think that it has to come back to the activism, the demands coming from the community, the activism coming from the street. That, that is where the, the, the impetus comes from to force all power brokers to take some kind of action. The FCC doesn't do its job. The corporate, from our perspective, the corporations are doing their job from their perspective. They are moving to protect what they perceive to be their interest. They want to control the flow of ideas and information. They want to control the media. So the community then, the audience, has a challenge. And, and what has been happening is that the audience has always taken the media for granted, has always just believed that it was supposed to be there mm -hmm. and that uh, it, it will on its own eventually serve the community or the audience has a tendency to say, well, it's a shame, it's terrible, but that's what it is. What are we going to do about it? And it, it is a, a lack of a, a real understanding of history on the part of the audience, on the part of the community in understanding how that activism has historically created progressive change in this country. On it. Standing by themselves, but as Paul Robeson pointed out, you, you might have to just stand by yourself. You know, you've got to stand for something. Where would you say the real problem lies? Uh, is it with the FCC and its becoming decaffeinated, for lack of a better word? <laughs> or is it, Bob Law mentioned, that uh, corporations, sponsors, have a lot of influence over the content of programming? Or is it something that I'm missing here? I think that it's, it's, it really can't be placed at, at one place. Oh, it's a full-court press. There's a number of things that are going on, but if we were to try to identify where we might respond from, yeah. you know, what would make a difference, I think that it has to come back to the activism, the demands coming from the community, the activism coming from the street. 
that, that is where the, the, the impetus comes from to force all power to take some kind of action. The FCC doesn't do its job. The corporate, from our perspective, the corporations are doing their job from their perspective. They are moving to protect what they perceive to be their interest. They want to control the flow of ideas and information. They want to control the media. So the community then, the audience, has a challenge. And, and what has been happening is that the audience has always taken the media for granted, has mm -hmm. always just believed that it was supposed to be there mm -hmm. and that uh, it, it will on its own eventually serve the community or the audience has a tendency to say, well, it's a shame, it's terrible, but that's what it is. What are we going to do about it? And it, it is a, a lack of a, a real understanding of history on the part of the audience, on the part of the community, in understanding how that activism has historically created progressive change in this country. On air talent are reporters in very small Because we are meeting here at the Grassroots Radio Conference, and you have this radio station, so I wonder how this fits in with your commitment to change the world, really. Well, indeed, and of 100 Watts, in fact, one of our volunteers came up with a slogan that says, uh, low watt is not low power, because it is such a powerful instrument. And the goal is is to help to build a uh, culture of consciousness and a culture of resistance. And what we did is to put together a playlist that um, has music that people from the community put into the playlist. And then we added speeches from various uh, conscious uh, intellectuals. So one moment um, someone might be listening to Marvin Gaye singing What's Going On and the next hearing Aaron Dottie Roy September 11th and telling the story of the September 11th that um, is otherwise not available. Uh, we do some live programming which we call Freedom Radio so that might be a recent speech or a recent event that has occurred on a prevailing uh, topic. The idea is also to put technology in the hands of the community. So we have um, our first project involving uh, middle school to high school students who will be learning how to produce their own program as a uh, method of communication, but also as a method of leadership, youth leadership development. So they'll have to conceive of it and figure out how to make it happen and then to actually to broadcast it. So it's a broad range of activities that uh, we see the stations being. We are the South Carolina chapter of the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, and we um, make it a point to point out that our center, the Malcolm X Center for Self-Determination, is a center that um, has a political position, is committed to a political direction, and that that radio station is an instrument towards that goal. We invite the entire community to participate, but the core and the primary focus is 
advance in the liberation of black people specifically and humanity generally. Thank you for being with us. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our guest tonight, Afia Inwangaza. She is the founder coordinator of the WMXP LP community based radio, and she is the former co chair of the Jericho Movement for U.S. Political Prisoners, and she represented the U.S. Human Rights Network's Political Prisoner Working Group in observing uh, the U.S. first appearance for UN Universal Periodic Review in Geneva. She is a, a student. Uh, of radio, and she learned the power of radio as an organizing tool early in her life from her parents, who worked in international evangelical radio broadcasting. And she is now going to join us and help us talk about the power of low-cost, low-power FM radio, community radio as a vehicle for preserving the voice of community organizing, local artists, cultural and political expression. Asiya, thank you so very much for joining us at Our Common Ground once again. Thank you, my sister soldier. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and I not so often of late have had an opportunity to do so just because I'm so overextended like the rest of us. That, uh-huh. uh, we we need to start a club and, and, and have registration and sell membership. <laughs> sure. We, uh, I'm in fundraising mode, so that's something I may even think about more seriously. Well, you know, I'm always um, – watching what you are doing and how you are doing it, and sometimes reluctant to ask you to give to our community more time. But as we move into this turmoil that we find ourselves in in this country, the mm-hmm. assault and the, and, and, and the pressing down of our people in this country, in the politics and in the government, I just felt that I needed to reach out to you. So thank you so very much for extending yourself once again. An honor and a privilege is all mine. Uh, Let's talk about media for a minute and the role that it plays in helping our people to frame and construct strategies for responding. And whether or not we have the appropriate information flow, uh, whether or not we're just a side ramp off the superhighway of both activity and information, misinformation, and underinformation. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know yeah. all my guests said that's a lot. I, you know the answers to all of those. <laughs> Well, first, for me, and we we um, remind the community uh, repeatedly that media is for us a lifeline and not a commodity. 
And it's been very interesting, um, especially with Bob Law having uh, taken up the campaign to challenge the uh, loss of uh, local historically black stations in New York, which really reflects what's been going on across the country for the past 15, 20 years. We, of course, have fewer black-owned and operated stations uh, than we had at the height of segregation. And as a lifeline, historically, if it had not been for the black media, black radio, black newspapers, black magazines, um, not just meaning that they were owned and operated by people of African descent, but that their focus was on the well-being and survival and thriving of the African community, then the civil rights movement would uh, unquestionably have been very, very different. There is a speech that Martin Luther King gives, which we play uh, periodically, uh, where he that he makes to the National Black Broadcasters Association, talking about the importance of radio and. Uh, expressing uh, his and SCLC's appreciation for the various contributions that broadcasters have had uh, made in the advancement of various initiatives, uh, whether it was uh, the support of the children's campaign in Birmingham, Alabama, um, the summer of '64. Uh, freedom schools or freedom summer, as it was called. And he, you know, he talks about uh, Brother Span in Chicago, Georgie Woods in Philadelphia. So it's it's um, it's critical and has been critical uh, to our survival and to our advancement. And as you mentioned, uh, my parents. Uh, were evangelists, and this was a body of people, the founder of whom had a third-grade education, uh, was from Ahoski, North Carolina, and uh, the congregation and the leadership of the church were uh, working-class people, uh, day workers. Uh, My father uh, worked on the railroad to start off, Norfolk and Western Railroad to start off with. My mother was um, did day's work um, and eventually was a a stay-at-home mom. But um, her whole focus and their whole focus was on making available information to the community from a Garveyite perspective that was necessary to identify the issues that were affecting the community, to facilitate the community in uh, propounding and implementing its own solutions, um, and using radio internationally. There was no place in the world that you could go that you could not um, hear their station. If you were in Europe, it was Radio Luxembourg. If you were in uh, Central or South America, it was Radio El Salvador. Um, and uh, uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, from um, it, uh, in the the United States and Canada, there was just no place that you could uh, that you could go where you could not, at some point, 
in a tw- within twenty four hour day uh, find their voice and their their voice uh, their message was on a spiritual level that um, one hundred and forty four thousand were going to be saved and it was their duty to go out and teach all the world um, and the way the only way at that time when they first started because television didn't even exist or it certainly wasn't um, widely available, was to um, do it by radio. And um, they did all kinds of activities um, in order to not only acquire um, stations, not the physical stations themselves, programming on stations uh, around the world, um, but to maintain them. I mean, the idea that they would uh, lose uh, a broadcast, um, uh, a contract with a station, was just, uh, it was uh, devastating. It was something that the whole church rallied around because everyone believed that and found that that, uh, radio was a lifeline. When uh, Bishop Jaspin, which was his name, Shalad Johnson, headquartered in Chamber Street. Um, when he died, uh, he the church's um, the value of the church's assets, which he always kept separate from his personal um, property, um, was valued at uh, seventy million dollars. This is in 1961. And while the broadcast network is not as strong as it was uh, during uh, their lifetime, Mr. Johnson and my parents, it still exists, and the institutions uh, still exist. And they were, and that was built in large measure off of radio, with independent schools, uh, businesses. Uh, we often think of when we think of of uh, black uh, religious institutions um, dealing with the practical day to day issues of our communities. We tend to think of the the Nation of Islam, but the Nation of Islam not only was not the only such uh, formation, but that there are formations which still exist to this day. Another one, of course, that comes to mind is the House of Prayer for All People with um, with Daddy Grace. Um, so, and then before, uh, in that same grouping, that same generation was was um, was a Father Divine, uh, Prophet Cherry out of New York, uh, Bishop Lawson uh, also out of New York, and. Elder Mashaw out of uh, D.C. It was just really an amazing, amazing time. And and, um, we have to recover control of the media. If we do not reclaim the control of the media that impacts our community, despite all the new so-called new media, the new platforms, then... um, we we are doomed because as is has been observed there is no weapon more powerful in the hands of the oppressor than the mind of the oppressed and people are uh, absorbing all of this negative 
detrimental, degenerative, violative, vile and violent um, material which is going into our brains and coming out in our behavior. And unless we change what's going in that brain, we're not going to change what's coming out. Well, you know, one of the things that always strikes me as interesting in the narrative that that you just laid out is that as our media outlets shrunk, mm-hmm. uh, especially in talk radio and community radio, mm-hmm. it seemed that in the mainstream media it exploded. Absolutely. I came to radio in um, in 1986, and um, it was at a time where uh, my colleagues Bob Law, Gil Noble, Gary Bird, Melanie, uh, uh, WVON in, in Chicago, we all talked at a time where you had to pay for long-distance calls. We talked frequently about our programming. Uh, For instance, uh, there were 122 uh, black talk radio hosts who on the moment that Nelson Mandela stepped out of the prison gates, we all played the same song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was some powerful stuff. Right. To be able to and... And I know we have we had at the time very long discussions about what issues ought to be priority issues, mm-hmm. and that we all should be talking about them. We should all should be sharing information with each other so that we could share with our audience. Mm-hmm. You don't see that anymore because the the community has shrunk and has become less focused on community. Mm-hmm issues than it ever was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's 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 so it's and it's more dangerous now than it was even at that, at that time. time. Yes. Um the the um recent the the uh, Bob Law did a uh, an interview with uh, Tom Porter on um WPFW uh, Pacifica's um, DC station, mm-hmm. and he also talked in that interview talked about the deliberate, apart from the government, um, the Clinton administration in particular's uh, uh, change in the Tele- Telecommunications Act, resulting in lifting all kinds of restrictions that had otherwise existed, um, which allowed for mergers uh, and control of not only radio but television and newspapers in the same market, which was recognized as being um, against not just the interests of the black community but the interests of of the country and of uh, democracy, as they, they call it. Um, but the use of the manipulation of the lack of access to funds, the redlining, the economic redlining of 
black radio stations and, and black media that um, the whole concept of loans, uh, giving predatory loans with the expectation that the uh, station owner would not be able to pay them back and having a clause in the loan agreement that a uh, failure to pay would result in the transfer of the license. It's very similar, of course, to the foreclosure epidemic that we're mm-hmm. experiencing in housing as well. Many people don't realize that that is exactly what happened to Radio 1. Perfect example. Yes. Perfect example. And and speaking of Radio 1, it was at... Uh, uh, at uh, the uh, at Al Sharpton's conference uh, last week or uh, recently, where two young sisters got up and challenged uh, Alfred Leggett um, about his position, which of course is the same position as Bob Johnson. Bob and Bob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is, is that um, it is that the media is a commodity. It's a quote unquote. It's a business. Uh, and you're supposed to be operating it for the purpose of making money. And these two young sisters pointed out to him that th- that philosophy was no different than that of the dope dealer. Uh-huh. He was taken aback to be confronted. One sister was 12 and the other was 17. They're regional youth directors. Um, and to be confronted and, and such an open and honest, uh, direct fashion, and that is precisely uh, every dope dealer says, "I got to feed my family." It's a business, and for someone who has the the public trust, as is the media, whether it's radio or television, and to take the position that the determiner, that the standard of success is um, is how much money is made, and not uh, service to the community, improvement of the quality of life, the uh, um, dissemination of useful and valid information. And at bottom, it is really a human rights violation. And it's a human rights violation because people have a right to meaningful, life-affirming access to technology. And when the standard is technology as money as opposed to technology as uh, social service, uh, social justice, improvement of the the quality of of life and the advancement of the rights of humanity, then that that access has been denied, and Mm -hmm. therefore that human right has Mm -hmm. been violated. And we, least of all, can afford to be viewing capitalism, uh, which is the reason that we wind up here in North America under these conditions in the first place, to use that as uh, as our standard. The second uh, point that I would, would raise, um, and, and that is, is our uh, persistence. In fact, I sent on... Uh, uh, Gary Bird on uh, Facebook, a message where he was uh, applauding Tom Joyner about being the first black in uh, the White Folks Hall of Fame, Radio Hall of Fame, Um, and that we persist in allowing 
their standards, the enemy's standards, to be the standards to which we ascribe and to which we strive. I'm uh, reminded of Etta James who pointed out that it was extreme arrogance on the part of white folks to presume to set up a rock and roll hall of fame. Hall of fame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there, there, we need to really get people to understand uh, what I call the black media uh, collapse. Mm-hmm. And it really started at a time when... Kathy Hughes, under the banner of Radio One, mm-hmm. purchased 60% of all of the traditional black community radio stations across the country. That was a huge undertaking. And your comment about uh, how redlining and predatory mending came into play in that deal is so important because she had a group of investors that bridled her into an agreement, or bridled it. I shouldn't talk about Kathy personally, but she was the CEO of Radio 1 at the time, bridled her under millions of dollars of debt under conditions Mm -hmm. that she couldn't possibly meet. It was a strategy. To begin to control the media radio outlets in this country. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that happened was that there wasn't prudent fiscal oversight of Radio 1 inside Radio 1. And the investors betted on that. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what happened. Mm -hmm. So when it was time to pay the piper for the dance, this imprudent fiscal management of millions of dollars and properties went bad, and the investors claim the properties because Radio One couldn't pay the balloon payments. And that's predatory lending at a corporate level. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and then the FCC, on the other hand, was not enforcing their regulations where individuals like Bob Law, like me, and a few others were trying to purchase some of the properties mm-hmm. under the Minority Purchase Program. Right. right. So as a result... Our community lost a total of, I think it was 215 community radio stations, stations that had local talk programming, local music, local community activity and organization coverage. And one of the most important things that it had was black news. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. So here we are, and one of the things that I'm really concerned about, Afia, and I wanted to get your perspective about it, is that 
uh, we've gone into an era where we're all scrambling. Activists are scrambling. Communities are scrambling to seek information, to give information, to continue to educate. I, I mean, I always call my show the university on the air, and that was very true when I was doing community terrestrial radio. But it's not true today because we're trying to look at the big picture because we are our common ground, TruthWorks Network. We are international radio. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to service our community, our listenership, and it's very difficult to focus on specific community problems. Um, and that is why what you're doing in, in, in your low-power radio station is so important. Talk to us about all of those, both problems, illnesses, and symptoms. You know, one of the things that um, gets lost in um, talking about the modern civil rights movement um, is the fact that it was an international movement and that we had linkages with not just Cuba, but Algeria, emerging African states. Um, You'll remember uh, Robert Williams broadcasting Radio Dixie out of of Havana um, to tie us into the global human rights struggle as Malcolm had challenged us to move from a civil rights uh, focus to a human rights focus, but which by definition means an international international struggle. We, when we lost what O'Malley used to tell, I think accurately caused caused the military uh, war of the '60s and '70s and, and the early '80s. All apparatus was uh, crushed and, and silenced and poisoned, you know, with the, the infusion, the chemical warfare that has been waged against our communities with extraordinary intensity um, since the, the uh, war in, uh, on Vietnam and coming forward with the importation of cocaine with, uh, and uh, crack. and the impact that that has had on our community and our inability to refocus um, over the past, actually the past 40 years, once uh, Martin Luther King was murdered, Malcolm was murdered, we we keep looking for that single individual that we're told uh, we need in order to move forward, which, of course, is not the way that we've ever moved forward and not the ways that we will move, uh, we will come out of this uh, crisis that we've been in for the past uh, 40 years. The um, So there's some advantages to um, trying to tie, um, connect the dots, as it said, with what's going on in this country, with what's going on uh, around the world, especially when we do what I call look at things phenomenologically, look at events phenomenologically, we look at the use of force 
um, and the military uh, philosophy and approaches to addressing dissent in this country as applied by the government here and the way it addresses uh, countries, actually. We saw the same kind of treatment of most recently the Occupy movement where the government across this country came down and vamped on the Occupy sites, scattering them, denying them a, a base of operation in the same way that we hear them so proudly talk about denying resistance in Afghanistan or Iraq or in other countries uh, a, a base of operation. That was one of the, the brilliance and the reasons that Geronimo Dijaga Pratt wound up being incarcerated for over 20 years was because he recognized that the experiences, the strategies, and the forces that were being applied to the African community in the United States were the same uh, tactics that were being applied in uh, Vietnam and as one one of the most highly decorated uh, soldiers, not only had he learned the lesson, but he had maintained his uh, perspective and and therefore was able to train um, segments of the Black Panther Party for self-defense as to how to deal with and defend against uh, the, the onslaught that was being imposed, and we see in that in that day, um, late sixties, early seventies, was the beginning of the use of the helicopters. Now, today, uh, looking at it phenomenologically, they're beginning to use the drones in urban areas er, in our neighborhood, not just urban areas, but in our neighborhoods. So that we get um, we get distracted and lose sight of the, the the fact that the dynamics are the same, even though the players and the instruments may may be different. How we make those those hookups and uh, connections? I think I always say that we we who um, claim to know better have to do better by doing whatever it is that we believe is the right thing to do and what the community needs at a given time using any and all resources that are available to us. I, and, and I'm not convinced of how, what the most effective way it is, but I do know that the more it's kind of, you know, where they say you, you – um, throw jelly to the wall and whatever sticks, that's what you keep working, um, is what we have to do given the desperate circumstances under which we're working, we're under which we're operating. And I, I want to call people's attention to the Prometheus Radio Project and uh, the website, and that's P-R-O-M-E-T-H-E-U-S, Radio Project, um, and they have uh, a segment or, or pages on how to apply for a low-power FM radio station. There's going to be an FCC window opening in um, September or October where new licenses for low-power stations are going to be issued. We need to be like uh, 
<clears throat> these survivalists and these fundamentalist uh, white churches, we need to be prepared to put in our paperwork as soon as the window opens in our area. We have a second bite at this apple in a different kind of way, and that is that if we can get stations all across this country, neighborhood stations, uh, we can interface with one another and exchange information. We on WMXP, we download uh, and simulcast various uh, station, various programs from around the country. For instance, the WBAI uh, in New York has, um, oh, God, I can't think of his name at the moment. It just went around on my head, that prison program. I know that they have Playfell Benjamin um, once a week because we do rebroadcast his program on TruthWorks Network. Right, and then there's Eddie. What is Eddie's last name who does uh, uh, On the Count? I want to say Eddie Gladette. No, it's not Eddie Eddie Gladette. But Uh, um, it'll come to me before before we're done. And then even without commenting on on politics, um, there's uh, uh, Tavis Smiley and Cornell West who do a show on Pacifica, uh, which we also broadcast, and then there's the Hutchinson Report, which represents the the most moderate end of the spectrum, and then of course at the other end, um, and much closer to our own political perspective, is the Uhuru movement. Mm-hmm. If we pull together, um, if if we had these little talking about a thousand points of light, yeah. We had thousand low-power FM stations, we could blanket this country with the message and the the methodology that you described a moment ago. And it's not as difficult as people think, nor is it as expensive. Mm -hmm. Here in Greenville, we have a problem with relocating our tower um, for a number of reasons. First and foremost was being overextended um, and having uh, limited numbers of people to assume responsibility for uh, institution building, I made a very serious error. And that was at the beginning um, I went to the county building administrator to get a permit for building the tower in the backyard of, excuse me, of one of our board members. And um, he thought that a low-power FM station was the same as a ham radio station. Mm-hmm. So he told me that I didn't have to have a, have a permit, um, mm-hmm. that um, nobody else had ever shown up and asked for a permit. So I didn't have any kind of process for that. I should go ahead and get it done quickly uh, before somebody discovers it and... Uh, that's when you had your tower problems. Exactly, exactly. So I want to tell you before you go on with this with this story, you looked really good in that backhoe. I do think you, your point is 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 so relevant that when you begin to do what 
you're suggesting around low power, about being on top of it before the applications are due because the FCC doesn't look kindly and will not entertain late applications, that you have to really uh, follow the the small print and and look at the dotted lines you're signing. And locally, in addition to thinking about educating your audience, you've got to educate your community around low-power radio. Because we had the same problem here. I was doing a show on a low-power station before FCC said it was was uh, legal, mm-hmm. and um, we were constantly moving from one part of Boston to another part of Boston so as not to be shut down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, there are... There are things that when community organizations or if people out there are thinking about organizing a um, low-power initiative, you really have to get a lawyer in your community to help you get through the legal stuff. Because it's not something that's look. It's not something that's going to be real welcomed. Oh, without a doubt. And one of the things about the Prometheus Radio Project. Is, is that they have lined up uh, professionals in every conceivable area, uh, whether it's lawyers. Um, we we wound up, we got bumped by a commercial uh, station because at that time, when uh, back in um, 05, when we originally got our, our frequency assigned, um, commercial stations had priority over non-commercial low-power stations. So we had to find a new site, resubmit our application, and they assisted us with all of that. We had to have uh, an engineer to do a new study. Prometheus Radio Project is committed to community radio, and um, many of the changes uh, and the, in fact, the existence of low power FM is in large measure due to the efforts mm-hmm. of uh, Petri Dish. I can't think of his yeah. villain. I can't think of his, his actual name. Um, but uh, his, I can remember when he used to actually go around the country uh, with the, the components of transmitters and building radio stations, teaching. Mm-hmm across the country how to build a radio station. Yeah. We had uh, we we had a 10-watt uh, station as well before we had the uh, FCC licensed station. So I could identify with that moving from the being a nomad, the nomadic uh-huh. broadcasting. Um, but the, on their website, they have, they've, they've began to post webinars. Um, yeah. and, and actually... Uh, Petrie sat, uh, sat with me on the telephone uh, and helped me to fill out the application line by line. Now, this yeah. was uh, seven, well, actually, it was almost ten years ago, and they've got a lot more people because they've continued oh, not only to lobby um, and to challenge um, the rulemaking, that and and uh, and I have to say this, and I hope I don't lose my thought. That Michael Powell um, 
helped to usher in, uh-huh. um, to dismantle uh, black radio as well. They have yes. they said, uh, Prometheus. Michael said, Powell, for those of you who are listening, is the son of General Powell. Exactly. Colin yeah. Powell. And mm-hmm. he was appointed by Bill Clinton mm-hmm. to the FCC. Mm-hmm. And and is now the executive director or CEO of the national, uh, the white, the cable companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and they're uh, overreaching and and uh, and control. So Prometheus has consistently fought against that um, gobbling up of the the not just the the airways but uh, also of the internet spectrum because that is the the of course the the wave of the future and and we shouldn't relinquish the um, the airways. To one or the other, we have to be on all of it and and uh, making it work uh, to to our best interest. You you raised a point earlier about whether or not we are um, we meaning the the African community um, is just a side um, ramp on the on the um, broadcast highway. Um, what we, what I see us as being, is a uh, um, a cash cow that's being churned. I um, was looking at, um, became aware of of a, a website, um, Industry Ear. Uh huh. Um, and Paul Porter. A, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and we don't even we don't even know. What each other each other of us is doing or exists, you know, yeah, um, yeah. in the day of the internet, we should there. There's got to be some, some better way, way, yes, of being able to. Because I I am constantly looking for not only content but uh, communication. Well, we haven't become commandos of technology, and we are missing out on many opportunities to be able to coalesce in a way that is strategic and effective, as well as I know Bob Law. Uh, he missed me on the email about what he's doing in New York, and I happened to see it someplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be. That exactly. really should not be. Exactly. Um, and so we we do have to find a way of capturing Mm-hmm. all the activism that's going on around the media. And that is both the building, and I want to talk to you about the tearing down. Um, I think that there are some very powerful ramps out there where we get ushered to. Mm-hmm. It seems like they put the little, I have this vision of they put the little orange cone, cone, cones mm-hmm. Plastic cones in the road, and mm-hmm. all the black people go this way. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That and is exactly right. It's leading us to bad information. Mm-hmm. Is leading us out of our sense of community. It's leading us into some kind of multicultural upheaval, where we have lost our our place. 
Afia and Juan Gaza is our guest tonight here at Our Common Ground. Thank you for being with us. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll continue this discussion about preserving black voices in the media. Our number is 347-838-9852 if you'd like to get in on this discussion. You're certainly welcome to do so. Uh, Athea will be right back uh, talking with you more. You are so you have so captured uh, what this is all about. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. There is a difference between service and advocacy, and we are at a point where we've got to look in the mirror and decide whose side are we going to be on. Amen. Are we going to be advocates for trickle-down economic prosperity, or are we going to be advocates for our people? This is our common ground, broadcasting brave, bold, and black, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Thank you for being with us tonight at Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. You are our mothers, you are our sisters, you are our daughters. AIDS is the leading cause of death for black women ages 25 to 34. But there are things you can do to help. Prevention is power. Get educated. Get tested. Get treated. Help stop AIDS. Republican Congress is looking to defund parts of God, friends. In the face of these losses, of this risk-taking, why aren't the Democrats out pointing the fingers if you're saying they will be responsible should there be a need for government to step in with another bailout of banks because of this risk, about of these risky derivatives of trading? Why aren't the Democrats pointing the fingers at the people who are standing in the way of reforming the financial institutions? That's malpractice, malfeasance, and misdemeanor. And to me, it just simply seems that I know. I, I'm not I know because they're getting money from these same financial institutions to stall, to get this into. But if Republicans are playing cutthroat politics, why are the Democrats playing that? And why can't they be on the offensive? And that, that's the first thing. Here's the second charge. You've got the Republicans beating this old message of debt. You've got Mitt Romney standing in front of a debt clock now. And that will be the narrative. And the Democrats, you don't see this coming? You don't see this narrative coming as they force another debt fight. As they the best of political talkback, common sense, right from the concrete, urban, progressive politics, 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 
Friday nights at TruthWorks Network, 10 p.m. Alpha drills down deep the lies, the conspiracies in politics. It's just damn politics. The Alpha Show. Because they they think that um, unless some segments of the community thinks unless you have a hundred watt station that you don't have a real station. Um, so once we uh, even now, although our we're raising funds desperately to finish um, putting up our, our tower to a full 120 feet, it currently sets 
20 feet off of the ground, and people, if, if they go to um, Google Malcolm X Center for Self-Determination in the photo gallery, I've put uh, a series of pictures, the relaunching of the tower. You'll see it's sitting 20 feet off of the ground, but you can hear it um, in various uh, parts of the of the city. We have we already have listeners and people making comments about it, so they're kind of amazed about the mystery of radio, which is a, a, a the mystery of media, um, and and which is a part of our mission is the demystification of uh, media, generally radio in particular, and to do use it as a tool for advocacy. Uh, or as Jared Ball says, information for liberation, and also for um, capacity building, technological access and capacity building. So it's it's a kind of not, you know, it's like it's not quite real on one hand. On another hand, um, young people, especially young brothers, get it right away. Uh, and they, the first thing they say to me is, is they want to be on-air personalities, which uh, indicates our lack of understanding of the, the the system, the structure and process, and which end of the microphone is most important. The least is is important side of the microphone is the, is the front of it, because the people who are on the back end of it are the ones who decide what's going to be on the front of it. And and if you're at the mercy of the people who are on the backside of the microphone, then you have no control, no ownership, no direction, and you, the message is still lost. So that's one of the points that I, I make uh, constantly to young people. Um, and a big part of it, of course, has to do with the um, the effects of, white supremacy on us individually and collectively, we're all looking for some place where we're going to be affirmed and recognized and um, treated uh, with some degree of dignity and respect. Um, on the other hand, so that we have uh, people who are business people, especially uh, club owners, uh, studio, uh, CD uh, make uh, recording studios local mm-hmm. um, who are looking for outlets for their artists now um, as well as for themselves it, it's been it was interesting when we first started the station because Prometheus came in and helped us to build a station and a, a year before they came in. I spent a lot of time doing community education, organizing, um, going to the barbershops, the beauty parlors, the restaurant, the churches, mm-hmm. talking to the community centers, any and everybody that I could. You know, I'm saying to them, look, we're going to have a radio station. We're going to have an unapologetically black radio station in Greenville. Other people, other communities are welcome to participate but the function of this station is to serve the interests of the black community. Do not have a bunch of white kids, because I knew the white kids were going to come, coming in here, building a station for the black community, black community not show up. And uh, the NAACP nor the local uh, Urban League nor the um, uh, local community center which, uh, in fact, there's a young brother who was just nominated for Tony on Broadway. 
mm-hmm. um, from Greenville, South Carolina, um, Phyllis Wheatley Community Center, uh, Repertory Theater, none of them brought their young people to participate in the more than 40 workshops that we had to train the community on how to run a radio station. How now, to- let's talk about that for a minute because mm-hmm. you know that's one of <laughs> my um, the, the one of the points that I have been making for years in my 26 years of broadcasting is that we have not prepared a generate the generations behind us. Mm-hmm. to take our places in mm-hmm. conscious radio. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a difference between community radio and conscious community radio. True. That's and true. all of it has fallen apart, and we have to rebuild it. Are you, You're saying that you had 40 workshops, and community organizations did not support bringing children in the community to be educated about radio. That's correct. And and as far as the Phyllis Wheatley Community Center is concerned, they had uh, uh, donated to them a recording studio um, because because of their musical uh, repertory theater. Um, And so they were, I pled with them, a natural match. Because they, more than anyone else, uh, needed an outlet for the music that they were recording. And they were the best trained uh, or ready to be trained. Um, no, they did not bring bring them. Uh, let me just say this. We had uh, CBS uh, in New York sent a reporter, and I, I apologize to the president, I don't remember his name, sent a reporter, Prometheus that while I was running around trying to um, make sure that the community was going to be engaged, Prometheus was using its resources to help to put together the experts to come in. So we had a reporter from New York CBS to come to Greenville, South Carolina, to teach community people how to do news gathering, how to record it, how to edit it, uh, and how to produce a news program. We had the head of the, um, the the audio communications unit at the University of Pennsylvania School of Communications to come in to talk about how to do the Dora Neale Hurston where you go out in the field and capture uh, community events and uh, folk tales and um, local stories, uh, human interest stories, and bring those back into the station. Uh, CNN sent a uh, engineer to uh, help to do the actual physical hardware stuff. The point at which the local black people showed up was, on the Sunday, because this is all done over a weekend, um, uh, showed up on Sunday afternoon for the free Flip the Switch fish fry. Do you hear me? Mm-hmm. Damn. Um, they, no, we got to do better. The 
way way better way 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 better and we've got to we've we've got to get we've got to get people uh and you know uh, for the, the when we apply for our life we organize in the state of South Carolina along with Prometheus um we organized a meeting in uh Columbia South Carolina with um Kevin Gray uh-huh. we organized a meeting uh in Charleston South Carolina with um oh god i can't think of the person you know my memory is getting terrible and the person that you were trying to think about earlier was eddie ellis exactly that's yeah. exactly right for we we simulcast his prison show um well i just want to i i just want to for for everybody for disclosure purposes to let you know i steal everybody's radio show for you <laughs> I try to get as much I try to get as much permission as I possibly can. If you've got a documentary out there or a radio show out there and you've done some good work, it's common to power views. Exactly. And WMXP also, you know, I mean that is we, you know, we uh it's taken it oh, I got to tell you. I got to share this with you all. Um we 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 went dark for 12 months because we we after fighting with the county for four years we ultimately had to take the tower down and um i had i used my house um i mortgaged my house in order to be able to do the station and um clearly was not in the same position to be able to do that again this time around so i'm really scrambling i'm at the flea market Saturdays and Sundays selling books and what I call aggressive panhandling to get people mm-hmm. to donate money mm-hmm. um, to having the, the station, which they want. Um, but at the same time, as one sister said to me when I said, well, you know, the other thing that in addition to having a show, you have to help raise money to keep the show on the air because the power company has to be paid, the Internet company has to be paid. And I don't have a printing press in my basement nor a white man in my attic (laughs) so it is totally and our thing has always been um that the community has to recognize and support uh institutions in addition to the church Um, so but um so what happened was we were trying to get um get the station on the internet and we would go to young uh, brothers who actually have Internet radio uh, uh, programs uh, or stations, and they would not do it because they viewed us the same way the white stations view us, and that is as competition. Now, we're not at all like any of the any station that exists in this city. Um, as in the clip that you played um, for, of me earlier, you could still be listening one minute to Marvin Gaye, and the next minute you're listening to Angela Davis or Malcolm X or Kwame Ture, and then you might be listening to Fela Kuti when they get finished. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're we're not like them, but their their thing is is that any any entity that has the potential of, of 
impacting the the captive audience that they have, going back to them orange cones that you were talking about, uh-huh. you as a threat. And because we have gotten, we have this bling generation that thinks that as long as you're getting paid and the only reason to do something is because you're getting paid, they view us also as a threat. So they would not, they would not help us to, um, you know, to set up to be on the Internet. Well, we had to be back on the air by May 19th, or we would, our license would have been term, uh, permanently terminated. But uh, So with all of the help of Prometheus, we were able to get our engineer, um, work out payment terms with him to uh, take get in touch with the FCC, find out what their minimum requirement was going to be, and to meet that minimum requirement. That's why we're sitting 20 feet off the ground. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Um, so they had, uh, Prometheus had created a chat board, and um, I went on the chat board and said, okay, we have to be on the air. We've been telling people at the flea market, and, you know, there's, I go to the flea market Saturday and Sunday, and I talk to at least uh, 100 people over that weekend, probably more than that. For instance, today, uh, this sister had told me what she didn't tell me today. When I first started back in February, she said to me, um, I was I had taken books from the Malcolm X Center because we have a bookstore, taking books to the flea market, which I had always resisted because when people go to the flea market, they expect to buy things at yeah. this and our thing is, is no, these are brand new books. We're not selling at a discount. You can you spend money on everything else. You can spend money on some information. So I refused to do it. So she said to me, she said, well, I'm not going to buy a book, but I'll give you a dollar. And you should ask everybody who comes through here uh, if they don't buy a book to give you a dollar, which I, start, yeah. I started doing. So I can, on a weekend, um, you know, beg up. Uh, and sell a couple of three books, um, two hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars, right? Which keeps the lights on. It doesn't pay the other stuff, but it, it keeps the but lights. On. It, you know, it is amazing to me that here is a very unique opportunity for the community, and the school system, the church institution system the social service uh, 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 community, mm-hmm. they all benefit from it. You know, when, when I was doing community radio, and I did community radio for 12 years, five days a week, three hours a day. Wow. And I am telling you, uh, every night I had a meeting of some kind because we had working groups. We had working groups on affirmative action in mm-hmm. local and state government, we had working groups of parents working on issues of uh, hyper-discipline of black children in public schools. We had teachers who were trying to modify their their curriculum to include more facts and information about black history. Mm-hmm. We had literature, the, libra- the librarians, and, I mean, that's what local community can do, folks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's the purpose of having the having the station. That is the. But I got I got to tell you this. So I had this white boy who responded to the chat board 
uh, call for getting us, not only getting us on the air, but being able to broadcast live from the Malcolm X Festival in the park. This park, mm-hmm. which is historically the segregated rich white folks park, that black folks did not even appear in unless they were in uniform and had a baby carriage. Um, that they shut down the swimming pool and turned it first into um, a seal. They will have seals in it. Seals die. They put roses in it, and the roses die. And so now they have they turned it into a tennis court because they weren't going to have blacks and whites swimming together, right? Um, that that um, and also to put us on the internet. This white boy showed up out of the blue with um, and within in less than 12 hours, had achieved it all. Mm-hmm. No, without a dime, mean, not spending one dime. Now, he understands. He's been in radio since he was 14. He's, since, he's been in it over 30 years. But, of course, his goal was money. His mm-hmm. thing was that I should let him take over the station let him become the station manager where he has exclusive control of the content and operated out of his, his he has a number of um internet stations and operates and and stu- and the studio at his house so that he would be able to run his stations through our transmitter and he would hook us into the national um, advertising circuit so that we would be able to get contracts with McDonald's and, uh, you know, buy, uh, uh, Burger King, all of them. Uh, yeah, the, the, the stack ads. Exactly. Stack ads, yeah. Um, and we, he would just give us money and we would let him do whatever he wanted to do. He wanted to do. To do. Yeah, I, everybody wants something. I was aghast. I mean, here are, are we're working out of the Malcolm X Center for Self-Determination. The station is WMXP, as in the Malcolm X Experience. The, the uh, tagline is the voice of the people reclaiming the drum. People-powered radio built a book sale or a buck donation at a time. And he would presume to make such a proposal? Yeah. I mean, it was like, what did he, did he yeah. really, you know? But um, it's, the kind of, it's the kind of perspective that people in this country have been groomed to have. You know, I, I kind of get a little bit perturbed uh, sometimes, Sophia, when I look at it costs $12 a month to listen to Sirius or XM radio mm-hmm. on, the, on the Internet mm-hmm. and $24 a month to listen by a device that you have to buy Mm-hmm. that costs upwards of $200 mm-hmm. or a service in your car for 24 or $30 a month. Mm-hmm. And people do that, 
but they won't support community-based radio. They won't even listen to it unless you're being entertained. Mm -hmm. Um, You got jackass comedians. Oh God! Uh, and 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 just the kind of banter back mm-hmm. and forth mm-hmm. that does not serve any honor to mm-hmm. where we are as a people in this country. That's right. I mean. I, I think about it, and one of the reasons, I mean, I'm at the end of my career in in being on the microphone. But I look at the, I, I listen to the struggle that you have had. I mean, you mortgaged your house. That's right. That's And that's because media is a lifeline, not a commodity, not a luxury, not a toy. It is the mechanism for our survival, not even thriving, our survival. Yes, yes absolutely, absolutely. Um, we have a new radio station here in Boston that is low power, and they are doing well. Mm. Um, but, it, it, you know, not but, and... They mm-hmm. need a lot of help, mm-hmm. and I've been trying to get colleagues of mine from the from the radio corporate uh, community to go help them. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Because you know that's what they're going to be working at next if they don't pay attention. Exactly. So because if if they don't clean up some of the stuff and how they do it, especially on air stuff. Mm-hmm. If if they don't get real serious about their marketing, mm-hmm. um, and I mean I noticed at the Juneteenth celebration, Boston celebration, there was no marketing going on of the radio station. At the Fourth of July thing, mm-hmm. they hadn't planned on doing anything with with hundreds of tens of thousands of people going to see Jennifer Hudson mm-hmm. outdoors free. Mm-hmm. They should have been there. Yeah. They had a big barbecue beach party at City Hall where they brought in tons of sand, and it was, did look like a beach except for there was no water. Um, <laughs> but they had like 25 vendors from all over the country, barbecue vendors. And you know black people were going to be there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they weren't there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we've got to be smarter about the things that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm but we've got to have it as a principle. You're absolutely right. It is not a choice. Right, that's right. That mm-hmm. we are not that information radio and TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I look at in the 1970s as we struggled to make sure that the the new cable companies coming into Boston would have TV programming mm-hmm. that would serve the black community. We worked for that. Mm-hmm. We made them do that. And yeah. who has taken over? Guess who? So, um, I mean, I can't, we can't, the two of us can't convince people 
that they need a continuation and consistent flow of correct information. You can watch all the MSNBC you want. You can listen to all the serious radio has a channel called The Power, and it's supposed to be black talk, and they don't even have black news 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which goes back to that point that you were making earlier about um, the, the orange cones and the, the deliberate uh, misdirection of the black community in, at using black faces mm-hmm. to to uh, perpetuate this agenda of of ignorance and and um, re- re- regression. Yes, and 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 the point is for you, uh, for those of you who are listening in, and our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two, is that we have missed so many opportunities. Mm-hmm. The opportunities in 2008 when this man was elected president of the United States to galvanize our voices, mm-hmm. to be heard by him in the same way that the LGTB, LGBG community was heard, in the same way in which those people who supported same same-sex marriage was heard in the That's same way as the community who supported uh, the institution of DOMA mm-hmm. was heard. Mm-hmm. We did not organize because we didn't have the instruments to begin the organization. And where are we now? We have not been heard. That's right. The other is that at the local and state level, we have a an absolute abandonment of public education, mm-hmm. and we have not been heard. Destruction and dismantling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, this is the vehicle. That's right. And, and, and I know people think I'm biased against TV. No, I'm not biased against TV, but TV is an entertainment tool. Radio on some of these other places, it is an infotainment to give you a little bit of bad information and some music and some laughs, and everybody can call up and make a speech, and it's all over. Go home. Everybody go home. See you tomorrow. Go home. Community radio is something different. It is an instrument to organize our people, to organize our agenda, and to galvanize our voices. And we have not supported it. And we have to. We have, coming up now, we have an extraordinary opportunity. Um, Go to Prometheus Radio Project's website, look on the tab that says, So You Want a Radio Station?, and get informed and get ready because come September, October, though that window is going to open and these white folks across this country are going to be dropping those applications in there like 40 going north, whether they That's live right. in the 
community or not. not. They put in applications uh, for radio stations, and they link them together uh, in order to advance their own agenda. I was listening today to a, 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 this program. These people selling food that lasts for 25 years. Encouraging people to buy uh, food. Now, I can remember back in the 60s where we we being mindful of the King Alfred plan with doing some similar, more rational kind of stuff ourselves. But this white folks buying guns, buying survival um, uh, equipment, uh-huh. Food that is supposed to last for 25 years, and we don't even have a grocery store in our neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you. And we are listening to radio shows that sell us right. more predatory lending. That's that right. That sell us products mm-hmm. that could harm our health, that sell us products that are empty promises that sell us, for crying out loud, sell us uh, sell us bad stuff. Just sell us bad stuff. Oh, I heard an ad on a, on, on a so-called black talk radio show, and they were selling foreclosure, uh, not foreclosure, bankruptcy. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And telling people bankruptcy is probably the best option. Right. Well, so there might be some people who agree about that, but I will tell you that, first of all, you can go and get help from the government to organize your bankruptcy if you have to file bankruptcy. You don't have to pay anybody to do that. Right. Second correct. of all, don't let anybody tell you that you won't be harmed by bankruptcy. You will be harmed by a bankruptcy, not for seven years. You will be harmed by bankruptcy for up to 12 years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how can our people do that to us? How can they sell us candidates, sell us the idea that drones are not so bad? Mm-hmm. And that we need them. We get we, the, the solution to the... the um, Self, self and other destructive behavior that our young people are engaged in. And, that, and in fact, actually, that um, we are all engaged in, in very, to varying degrees. It just happens that the young people, the, the tools of self-destruction that are available to them yeah. and their level of underdevelopment um, results in it being the, the kind of uh, gross, brutal uh, violence. But at the other end of that spectrum, I, I would quote Julian Bond when he says the great, or actually, I guess, I don't know who started it. Martin Luther King also said the same thing. Ignorance is the greatest form of violence. And, and we are intentionally being mired in it. Yep. You know, as I said, we, we are a cash cow at the side of the road being churned by the the national media. I was looking at um, last, I guess it was last Friday, uh, um, Bieber, uh, the Bieber kid was on. Um, Jerry Mathis. Uh, um, no, he was on the Today Friday concert thing, right? 
And uh, he acknowledged Usher, who was the person. Oh, you mean Bieber. I thought you said Beaver. <laughs> no, I, whatever his name. What is this? The, I don't, the little white boy that sings. But yeah. And um, I was looking at the sales charts, and here uh, the difference in what they were um here, uh, Usher, who, who discovered him, wrote, I mean, he had the good sense to discover him, signed his contract, and I'm sure they can't wait. I, I'm surprised they haven't bought, the con- bought him out of the contract by now. Um, but he, Usher was selling like 34,000 units a week, and Justin, B- that's his name, Justin, Justin Bieber, Bieber. Uh-huh. 347,000 units yep. a week. Yep. You know, how did that happen? Why is that happening? Uh, and in the top ten, of the top ten, when you look at the the, um, the range, not just so-called urban or black music or hip-hop or rap, but you look at the, the broad, across the broad spectrum, there are only two or three black artists. You got Beyonce, you got Jay-Z and, and Kanye, and the rest of them are white folks. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to take a break. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you at 347-838-9852 in our discussion about black independent and community media with our guest, Afia Nwangaza. We'll be right back that what we have to do is continue to allow the voices to be heard and not just the voices of those of the Congressional Black Caucus, not just those who um, are willing to put Tom Joyner on their panel or to give him an award. We need to open up our phone lines and open up our, our, our uh, audience to the voices of people. And all too often, we become too complacent and just listen to those same five, six, ten voices. And we also have to be hopeful that we will allow people to have their voices heard. This is Our Common Ground, broadcasting brave, bold, and black. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. My mother shaped me as an actor, as a musician, as a human being. So when she was diagnosed with colon cancer, it was like our entire family got cancer. And she died when she was only 56, so this is personal. And hopefully my heartbreak is your wake-up call. You can prevent colorectal cancer. If you're 50 or older, get screened. Screening saves lives. Enter the Lion's Den. Enter the Lion's Den with LDX and Information Man. Swagger Talk Radio at TruthWorks Network. TruthWorks Network. Knowledge is a shield. 
your tongue is a sword. The sky is the limit, but we shackled to the floor. I'ma bring my people to the light. This Roll your lion mob into the lion. Into the lion's den, only a Truthworks Network. Swagger up, Wednesdays. Swagger down, Thursdays, 10 p.m. Get your swagger on. I'ma bring my people to the light this Royal your lion mob into the lion. You're listening to Our Common Ground, where real talk matters. I'm Janice Graham. Join us in our conversation. It's time. It's time to be black, bold, and brave. Transforming truth to power. One broadcast at a time. Our Common Ground. August as well 
coming in August on Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Souls of Fire with Dr. Matthew B. Johnson. He's going to be doing his weekly commentary and taking calls on spirit, the, the nature of spiritual and religious religion in the black community. Hmm. So I, I'm really pleased, Afia, that we are uh, growing uh, the way that we are growing. Um, right. Global Global Village Voices with Peter E. Matthews is uh, off for the summer as he takes on a new responsibility as a pastor of Eaton Eaton United Church of Christ in uh, Cincinnati. So he's taken the summer off, and he'll be back in the fall as he gets situated in his new new church where he does uh, the political and the cultural internationally at TruthWorks Network. So we're pretty proud of that. We're going to stay at Blog Talk Radio. I don't um, anticipate um, that we are going to be doing some things. I'm working with a committee who's looking at low, another low-power station here in Boston, mm-hmm. uh, trying to galvanize a justice academy where we have a group of lawyers will take questions having to do with mm-hmm. civil and human rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, and I guess they'll throw some music in there and throw a couple of other different kinds of shows in there. But in general, black people are, are, are very supportive of the new low-power station here in Boston. Um, let's talk about your fundraising. Well, we're... I'm I'm really kind of at my wit's end. Uh, first of all, because I've never really done uh, fundraising in a, in the traditional sense or in any serious kind of way. As a, a lawyer, I've um, always used my personal resources to be able to underwrite uh, the bulk of the expenses for initiatives that that I've taken. Um, I essentially lost a 30-plus year running battle that I've had with the South Carolina Bar, which, as you can well imagine, I'm with, which I'm not very popular. Um, And um, I I call it your past. She has a past. Um, and uh, so because I neglected to to maintain records in the manner prescribed by the bar, my license has been suspended for the past, well, for nine months, and then it continues for another 90 days, uh, which has made everything uh, that much more difficult because that means that not only do I have to um, raise money uh, to survive, but um, it interferes with my ability to be able to raise money and to contribute money to the larger community efforts, which is the station and the Malcolm X Center. Um 
So I've done a number of things. I, you know, I keep hearing about these people who put uh, out appeals on the Internet and they get all these responses. Yeah, so like George Zimmerman. Why You should go on his website. Exactly, exactly. Um, and um, I, that, that has not, has not worked. Um, so right now we have a campaign where um, – we're asking people to donate five dollars uh, to just because you know when you say you need twenty five thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars to uh, finish uh, putting up the tower, and then the uh, ten thousand dollars for additional equipment and um, security, the and, uh, new equipment the FCC is requiring everyone to have uh, emergency alert system. Um, which is a complete changeover from what we had before, uh, which in and of itself is $3,500. So people think, oh, well, they're overwhelmed by the the numbers. And we had one donor who, out of Baltimore, who went to the post office, got a $5 money order, and sent it and put a note in saying if you could find – 5,000 other people to send you $5 or we could get our people to participate in a, a campaign and do what we can is the is the principle, um, then, um, you know, we'd be in business. We'd be able to accomplish a, a lot of different things. So I took this quote and I used it as, a, as a, some guidance. And so we're doing this appeal. We're asking people to donate uh, $5. Of course, obviously, we'd be happy if they donated more than $5, but uh, people can donate $5. I, at the flea market, which has been such an education for me, um, we we always make sure we have children's books on the, on the table, and uh, it breaks my heart when a child comes to the table and wants a book um, that costs a couple dollars, and the parent drags the child away from the table, our table, and from the book table over to the CD DVD table uh, to buy a bootleg DVD, DVD or CD that's going to cost $5. Mm-hmm. And what is the message and the training that, that that child is getting? So we wind up giving away books to affirm that child's interest in reading, you know, and I tell them reading is the gateway to freedom. Um, uh, the fact that the prison, the number of prison beds are calculated based on the number of children who cannot read on grade level by the end of the second grade. And, and you know, just to try to, that education process. Um, so we need people to go to WMXP955 dot com and donate five dollars, a minimum of five dollars, uh, through either PayPal or Click and Pledge. Give or, that give that address again. Uh it's the website is WMXP ninety five five dot com. And the Malcolm X Center for Self Determination, home of WMXP will come up uh, on the the website and um, all kinds of other information. And we're constantly adding information um, to the website um, 
including eventually we'll have up um, the form for submitting new uh, uh, proposals for new programs. And we'll take proposals from outside of the local area because the part of the goal is to tie this local community into the broader national and international community in order to raise the level of consciousness, the level of activism, the level of advocacy, uh, and to have that cross-pollination that we need to have in order to become a national, a conscious national black community uh, once again. So that's WMXP, as in Peter, 955.com. Um, well, I just posted it in our chat room. Oh, um, and I'm hoping and asking our listeners uh, to do something. We have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Our support, maybe you don't have a community low-power station that's being proposed or visioned or even talked about in your community, but we have to start somewhere. And uh, your your station... You can listen live on the Internet. Is that correct? Um, beginning Monday, we'll be back on the uh, back on the Internet. We've been uh, down just because we've been focusing on the uh, on the tower, and we had to get a white boy his equipment back. <laughs> so, uh, I had to give the white boy his station back. So... <laughs> Yeah, but we, so but, I understand. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I don't even understand how he even formulated the thought that yeah. that was fly. Yeah. Well, we certainly um, have benefited from your coming to talk to us about community radio and about what you're doing. It gives people ideas and encouragement and inspiration about what can be done. Afia, thank you so very much uh, for being with us, and we hope that uh, we can somehow hook what we do with what you're doing, um, and we're, we're certainly more than willing to, if we can figure out how to do it, uh, to, to provide you our microphone uh, to increase the peace and to empower the voice of black consciousness across this country. Well, you've been a wonderful role model. I can assure you of that and an inspiration, and I thank you so much for your support. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Well, thank you so much, and thank you out there for all of you who are out there who have joined us tonight. This is an important thing, folks. We are very, very much becoming an invisible voice in this country. I want to send a shout out to Sister Marpessa, who is not doing, who is who is not well, and is in the hospital. And we miss her so much. And seeing her in our chat room and having to talk to us, she is a warrior with a lion's heart, and we know that she will get better, improve, and I saw her posting stuff today 
and she and if she's listening, she's not supposed to be doing that. She's supposed to be taking care of herself. Thank you all for being with us next week at our common ground. We'll be talking with um, Dr. Matthew um, Johnson, uh, the author of a Cicada's Song, and who was with us week before last to finish our conversation. Thank you, Afia. Thank you all for being with us. And thank you. thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground tonight. We'll be right back here at Our Common Ground next Saturday night, 10 p.m. Every Saturday night, 10 p.m. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Coming up on Our Common Ground, we'll be rejoined again by Dr. Reverend Matthew Johnson, Ricardo Jones, and the EEOC, Chauncey DeVega, we are authentic Negroes, I think. And Yvette Cornell, culture critic. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thanks to our warrior sister, Tia Nganwanza, being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground, and to you for joining us. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.